Welcome to Let's Review RN. My name is Bryn O'Donnell, and I'm a certified adult and geriatric nurse practitioner. I work as a cardiology APN and function as a visiting professor and clinical instructor for a BSN program. This is an independent production by myself, and I am not representing any educational institution. My goal is to deliver a condensed but robust review on topics primarily discussed in Adult Health 1 and 2 and some pieces of pharmacology of a bachelor degree nursing program. Over the years, I've learned that students have an immense amount of confusion and questions when they leave didactic, which makes applying what they are learning nearly impossible to the clinical setting. I want to break down the basics so that you can continue to build upon your knowledge and put the pieces together. Hi, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Let's Review RN. Today, we are talking about hyperthyroidism. Hyperthyroidism refers to the state in which the thyroid is overactive and produces too much thyroid hormones, T3 and T4, but more specifically, thyroxine, T4. It is diagnosed with blood tests that check TSH, T3, and T4 levels, and your healthcare provider may check a free T4 level as well. The thyroid gland is a butterfly-shaped gland that consists of two connected lobes. The lower two-thirds of the lobes are connected by a thin band of tissue called the thyroid isthmus. The thyroid is located at the front of the neck and sits below the larynx, which is your voice box, and below the Adam's apple in men. The thyroid gland secretes three hormones, those including T3 and T4, as well as a peptide hormone, calcitonin. The thyroid hormone T3 and T4 influence the metabolic rate and protein synthesis in children to facilitate growth and development. Calcitonin plays a role in calcium homeostasis. Secretion of the two thyroid hormones T3 and T4 is regulated by the release of TSH, which is thyroid-stimulating hormone. Thyroid function is controlled by a negative feedback loop, starting with the hypothalamus, which releases TRH, known as thyrotropin-releasing hormone, which stimulates the anterior pituitary gland to release TSH, known as thyroid-stimulating hormone, which then regulates the release of T3 and T4 from the thyroid gland. A negative feedback loop in this situation means that if there is enough T3 and T4 released by the thyroid itself, the hypothalamus will adjust how much TRH is being produced, which ultimately will slow the cascade of events previously talked about. If there is not enough T3 and T4 circulating in the body, the normal function of the negative feedback loop would be that the hypothalamus would then release more TRH, resulting in more TSH being released by the pituitary gland, and then the thyroid would release T3 and T4. It is also important to note that the thyroid gland cannot produce T3 and T4 without iodine. Iodine is consumed through the diet, and the body utilizes that to produce T3 and T4. So if you are not getting enough iodine, you can struggle with hypothyroidism, and if you are getting too much iodine in your diet, you can struggle with hyperthyroidism. Foods that are a good source of iodine include ionized salt, which is table salt, Seafood is naturally rich in iodine, and other foods including seaweed, eggs, and dairy products also contain iodine. T3 and T4 have similar functions and are involved in the control of metabolism. They act on almost every cell in the body, increasing the metabolic rate, affecting protein synthesis, regulating bone growth, aiding in digestion, stimulation of the sympathetic nervous system, regulating your heart rate, as well as your body temperature. 
Let's review how thyroid hormone production, specifically T3 and T4, is completed. So we know that the thyroid gland is stimulated by the release of TSH from the anterior pituitary gland to release T3 and T4. The thyroid takes iodine found in our diet, combines it with an amino acid called tyrosine, and converts to T3, which contains three iodine atoms, and T4, which contains four iodine atoms. T4 is produced solely by the thyroid gland, and about 20% of T3 is produced from the thyroid gland. The other 80% of T3 is formed by the removal of an iodine atom from T4 in a process called deiodination. This process occurs primarily in the liver and the kidneys, but T3 is produced in some, if not all, of our tissue. There are factors that inhibit the conversion of T4 to T3, which include stress, starvation, beta blockers, amiodarone, corticosteroids, and iodinated contrast media. The thyroid gland synthesizes and stores large quantities of T3 and T4 with the protein thyroglobulin. When the thyroid gland is stimulated by the TSH to release T3 and T4, it is released into the bloodstream and transported throughout the body. Most are bound to plasma proteins, while a small portion circulates as a free hormone that enters the cell and triggers metabolism. 99.9% of T4 and 99.5% of T3 in the bloodstream are bound to serum protein. So when you have 0.02% of free T4 and 0.5% of free T3 circulating in the bloodstream, it is this concentration that is responsible for biological activity. There is a relationship between free T4 and TSH concentrations, and very small changes of free T4 stimulate a very large change in TSH. Measuring free T4 concentrations measures the amount of T4 which is unbound to proteins. A low free T4 will indicate hypothyroidism, while a high free T4 will indicate hyperthyroidism. Quickly, I'm going to note the actions of T4. T4 is also known as thyroxine, which controls the activation and inactivation of enzymes which regulate a faster heartbeat and how strongly the heart contracts. T4 also controls how responsive our heart is to the hormone adrenaline, and T4 assists in the relaxation of our blood vessels both by its own effect and by controlling the release of something called EDRF, which stands for endothelial-derived relaxing factor. Now, when we're talking about signs and symptoms of hyperthyroidism, we need to allow the name of the disorder to tell us about the signs and symptoms that we'll see. Hyper, meaning high, correlates with symptoms that are higher than normal or at an elevated or an accelerated rate. In patients with hyperthyroidism, you will see weight loss. Elevated levels of T3 and T4 will cause an increase in the patient's metabolism due to an increase of calorie utilization. This occurs when either eating normal or even increased intake because of hunger. This is unintentional weight loss. Patients will present with heat intolerance, and this is simply because the patient's basal body body temperature will be increased, and they will feel warm or hot, and this is exacerbated by being in the heat. We will often see an increase in their heart rate due to overstimulation of the sympathetic nervous system, which puts patients in a constant state of fight or flight. 
The blood pressure can be elevated. They may experience more episodes of diarrhea. And this is simply because there's an overstimulation of the GI system and it cannot slow down enough to digest appropriately or absorb nutrients. Patients will be at an increased risk for arrhythmias, such as atrial fibrillation, PACs, PVCs, due to increased stimulation of that sympathetic nervous system. They may have resting tachycardia, meaning their resting heart rate will be greater than 100 beats per minute. You may even notice that patients with hyperthyroidism have silky hair and smooth skin. You can oftentimes see or be informed of changes in their personality. Patients may be anxiety-ridden or nervous or even irritable. They appear wired and they even have difficulty sleeping at night. Menstruating females may note changes to their menstrual cycle. There are several causes of hyperthyroidism, of which the number one cause is Graves' disease. This is an autoimmune disease that affects the thyroid gland. I do go into great detail of Graves' disease in a separate podcast, and I do highly encourage you to check that out. Other causes of hyperthyroidism include hyperfunctioning thyroid nodules, which include toxic adenomas, toxic multinodular goiter, or plumber's disease. This form of hyperthyroidism occurs when a single or multiple adenoma of the thyroid produces too much T4. An adenoma can also be referred to as a nodule, which is part of the gland that has walled itself off from the rest of the gland, forming a non-cancerous or benign lump that may cause an enlargement of the thyroid. Again, these benign nodules release excessive amounts of T4 causing a hyperthyroid state. Another cause of hyperthyroidism is thyroiditis, which is when the thyroid can become inflamed. This can be seen after pregnancy due to an autoimmune condition for which the reasons aren't really well known. The inflammation itself can cause excess thyroid hormones stored in the gland and this can leak into the bloodstream. And lastly, an increased production of thyroid hormone due to excessive consumption of iodine can also lead to hyperthyroidism. We also want to consider that the overcorrection of hypothyroidism with synthetic hormones can lead to a hyperthyroid state as well. Now let's move into talking about treatment for hyperthyroidism. Antithyroid medications are utilized to specifically stop the thyroid from synthesizing T3 and T4. Tapazole is a very common antithyroid medication that is used due to its very low side effect profile. However, it cannot be used in the first trimester of pregnancy, and rather PTU, or propothyrosyl, is used, but there is common side effect of liver failure with this medication, so we want to be sure to monitor the patient's liver enzymes. Another common side effect of antithyroid medication is agranulocytosis, which is when you have significantly low white blood cell count, most commonly neutrophils, resulting in neutropenia, which places the patient in an immunosuppressed state or at high risk for infections. We can also see aplastic anemia, which is when red blood cell count is low. Another treatment option is radioactive iodine. So the patient takes iodine orally, which is radioactive. The iodine will travel to the thyroid because the thyroid loves iodine, and the radioactive portion of the medication will slowly destroy the thyroid over time. 
This is a permanent cure. Women who are pregnant or nursing cannot take radioactive iodine. A few side effects from the radioactive iodine include a metal taste in one's mouth. Um, You can see swollen saliva glands and nausea. Thyroidectomy is also a treatment for hyperthyroidism, meaning that they go in and they remove the thyroid gland. Postoperatively, you want to monitor for thyroid storm due to the possibility that T3 and T4 may have excessively leaked into the bloodstream. Also, it's absolutely important to monitor for secondary issues with the parathyroid gland. When the thyroid gland's removed, you ultimately affect the parathyroid, which is responsible for the regulation of calcium because of the close proximity of the two glands. You can see low levels of calcium due to decreased secretion of the parathyroid hormone, also referred to as PTH. This can also lead to signs and symptoms of hypocalcemia. It is important to assess for respiratory distress in these patients postoperatively since the incision site for a thyroidectomy is right near the airway, and they can experience excessive swelling. Propanolol or metoprolol are commonly utilized as beta blockers for a form of treatment for hyperthyroidism, which they basically help aid in the side effects that are associated with hyperthyroidism, such as tachycardia, hypertension, as well as heat intolerance. The last thing we're going to talk about is nursing interventions for the patients with hyperthyroidism. When caring for the hyperthyroid patient, we want to keep them comfortable. This means a cool environment because they cannot tolerate the heat. We want to keep it quiet because they can become overstimulated. And we want to administer sedatives if necessary for comfort. You also want to be sure to monitor weight, proper nutrition intake, blood pressure, heart rate, and even EKG changes. We will monitor for thyroid storm, which is a life-threatening complication associated with excessive thyroid hormone. And you want to educate your patients about their medications. It's important to talk to them about how to take their medications, including never stop taking medications abruptly, that after the initial introduction of medication, it can take a while to see results. And they should take their medications at the same time every day. They should avoid foods rich in iodine, such as seafood, eggs, and dairy, which can increase the T3 and T4 production. They should avoid aspirin, which increases thyroid hormone levels. And lastly, they should monitor and be aware of signs and symptoms of toxicity, which would present as hypothyroidism. And so those symptoms would include slow heart rate, fatigue, cold intolerances, constipation, all the opposite of hyperthyroidism because the hyperthyroidism is being over-treated, sending them into a hypothyroid state. Thanks for being here today with me. As always, you can find me at Instagram handle Let's Review RN. Feel free to send me a message with questions or future topics you're interested in learning. And if you have time, I ask that you take the time to rate and review the podcast. Your reviews can encourage others to come tune in and learn with us. This podcast is for general information review purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine or nursing. The use of this information or any materials provided by Let's Review RN are at the user's own risk. This content is not intended to be a substitute for educational teachings through students' educational institutes or organizations.